Good morning. Uh, this morning we are starting our a new sermon series for the summer called Fruition, and we're looking at uh, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is a great Sunday to start off this uh, sermon series because we've been talking a little bit about the Holy Spirit. And what we know is true is that the Holy Spirit creates in, in us faith so that we can confess, that we can say, I believe in Jesus. And, and uh, we, we believe in Jesus because of the work of the Spirit within us. But we also know that the Holy Spirit uh, gives us gifts uh, of faithfulness. And Jesus himself, when he is teaching his disciples, he says a good tree will bear good fruit. And so we're going to be looking at the literal fruits of the Spirit, the good things that come because of the work of the Spirit in our lives as we faithfully follow and seek Jesus. And so this morning, uh, we're going to be focusing um, on those different gifts, and throughout the summer, we're going to focus on different ones. And we're not going to read this every Sunday, but it's in the video, and, and this really comes out of Galatians chapter 5, and I want to read it to you this morning, because we're going to hit all these different fruits of the Spirit this summer. And it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. It says, against these things, there is no law. That is, nothing holds these gifts back. The gentleness, the love, the peace, the kindness, all these things, there should be no end. And as we grow in those fruits of the Spirit, we should see these showing up more and more in faithfulness as we follow Christ. And so this morning, we're actually going to be focusing on the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. And love is incredibly important, it's incredibly significant, and it's central to what it means for us to follow Christ. And we know love is important, we know this intuitively, we kind of sense it. And the reason why I I can share with you that I know love is significant, we get it on some level, even if we don't fully understand it or appreciate it, or in the brokenness of the world it doesn't play out We know that love is important because of of how we experience even just talking about it. Uh, Let me just give you an example. Uh, In the 7.45 a.m. service, there's a couple who celebrates today 68 years of marriage. Sixty-eight years, that is unreal. And as I was thinking about it, I, I had this uh, flashback moment to when I was dating my now wife, and I remember being in her apartment, and we were doing this thing, and I didn't know we were doing this thing, hindsight, right? Uh, we were doing this thing where we were playing the who's going to say it first game. You know what we were, we were wondering who's going to say first? I love you. I didn't want to say it first. Because I didn't know where she was at exactly. She didn't want to say it first because I'm the man and I'm supposed to. (laughs) Right? She said it first. (laughs) Yeah. No, she did. She did. She finally said, I love you. But but what's funny about that story, like when I think about it, is how hard it is to say those words, how vulnerable it is to actually say those words to somebody for the first time. Because... To love someone, to say, I love you, is a very powerful thing. I think we also understand the significance of love and how it shapes us because of that reality as well. You're going to hate me if you're an introvert this morning, but just for a second. um, What I want you to do right now is turn to somebody you know 
Somebody, maybe you've done this with before. If you're dating and you haven't said this to this person, I'm sorry. But look at them and just say, I love you. Okay. All right. That, that should, should have been, for the most part, easy for most of us. Right? Now, what I want you to do in this dark room with the, the smoke... We need some romance, right? I want you to look at a stranger, dead, dead look them in the eye and say, I love you. <laughs> Could be kind of awkward, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm the only one that feels awkward about this. So, so one of my first experiences here at Bethany was like my first month here. Um, uh, same, save 745 service, there's this um, group of women that worship in that service every Sunday. And I remember after church, they were leaving, and, and uh, one of them comes up and hugs me, and she just says, I love you, Pastor Danner. And I go, oh, yeah, good, good to see you this morning. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, can I say I love you back? What does that mean? And and it took me a while to get comfortable just saying to somebody, yes, I love you. I love you. And it's okay if they love me. But I I think, again, it just points to the the, sort of the significance and the, the, the reality that we all kind of naturally know about the importance of love. Okay. And it's important for a number of reasons in terms of how we experience one another, in terms of what we feel and and what we say to each other, how we live. But Jesus himself really frames this out well for us. He says in John chapter 13, he says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And he goes a little bit further in John 14. It's not just about loving each other so people know you're his disciples. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That is, you will follow me. You will love others. You'll love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, Scripture is full of these references, even to the point where God himself declares, I am love. Like, he is the embodiment of this fruit of the Spirit that points us to this truth. And so we know this is real, and we know it's real because it's hard for us to say it. We can feel how real it is when we say it for the first time to somebody, when we say it to a stranger, when a stranger unexpectedly says it to us. But sometimes still we we, we don't fully appreciate or know what it means. And the reason why that is is because the the world's broken. Like we we have a hard time with love because... um, even though we know intuitively it's a big deal, and I guess context is everything, we also um, have sort of twisted ideas of love. Um, love, in a way, is ubiquitous. Like, <laughs> what I mean by ubiquitous, it's like everywhere. Like, I mean, think about February. Like, we, we, we have our kids, like, buying Valentines for all their friends, and, and we have hearts everywhere. And we talk about things like we love UT football, and we love Taco Bell, right? Um, we, we talk about it in such ways that, that in some ways it cheapens the understanding at times and we, we sometimes struggle with maybe what this fruit might look like. And so a good place to really start to understand what the fruit of love looks like is actually from a common passage that is read often when people get married. Uh, when two become one, it's 1 Corinthians 13. 
And I actually want to read this for you. And if you've been to any weddings in your life or you're contemplating, contemplating getting married, uh, this, you'll, you'll hear this a lot. Um, but I want to reflect on these words. And, and here in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And at the end of this passage, it says, Now now faith, hope, and love abides, and these three are there, but the greatest of these is love. It's love. And so what does the fruit of the spirit of love look like? Well, it looks like what 1 Corinthians 13 looks like. You see, if you don't have love, if you do not possess it, then you have nothing. You're like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And what I mean by this is you... You probably have experienced this before. Like, have you ever been around someone that says all the right words? Like they, they know what to say. They know they're supposed to say, I love you. They, they do everything right in terms of their speech. But at the same time, they're saying, I love you. They're stabbing you right in the back, right? Or maybe you've heard the, the saying, um, you know, that you should speak the truth in love, but love without compassion is cruelty. That is, you can be honest with somebody, but if you, if you don't possess love when you're saying it to them, they're not going to hear it as loving kindness. They're going to hear it as judgment and condemnation and as if something is wrong. It's, it's so crazy to me how you can just take this one little element out of a conversation, out of a relationship, out of an interaction, and it completely changes what it feels like, how you experience it, and what it means. Like, and we know this. Like, we know this intuitively, even if we don't reflect on it. Like, my wife is the only one that can say certain things to me, and I hear it well. <laughs> if any of you comment on some of those things... I will not hear it well. So she can tell me, like, after church on Sunday, your sermon was terrible. And I'll say, thank you. Thank you for telling me. You tell me my sermon's terrible, and I'll think about it all week. <laughs> you know? Love matters. Without love, as First Corinthians says, I am nothing. I mean, you can have everything in the world, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. You can have everything in the world, but without love, you gain nothing. And this is why Jesus does say, 
in John 13, that by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is how people experience Jesus, through real, tangible, concrete love that we bring into the world. And so, as we reflect on what the fruit of the Spirit is, as you reflect on what love means for you, I mean, we go back to 1 Corinthians 13, because it really does paint the picture for what love is. It describes what love is. Because it says, for example, that love is patient and kind. And so, are you patient? Are you kind? 1 Corinthians 13 says, you shouldn't be envious or arrogant. So are you not envious? Are you not arrogant? 1 Corinthians says that love is being, not being irritable or resentful. So are you not irritable? Are you not resentful? Love is someone who rejoices with the truth. So do you Rejoice with the truth? Do you? You see, as I read through these phrases about pride and arrogance and envy and patience and kindness, it's like some of them I'm like slam dunk. I've got the fruit of the Spirit. And other ones I hear and I think, ooh, I still have some resentment. Sometimes I rejoice in convenient truths and not real hard truths. And yet this is what we're called into. Because when we show up in this way, people experience something wholly different. They experience Jesus. I mean, this is the truth we ultimately rejoice in. I mean, Jesus sort of embodied this. He didn't just talk about love. He indeed did talk about love, but he lived it. He showed up in places where other people would not show up. He would eat dinner with the tax collectors and the prostitutes. He would go to the demon-possessed man and interact with him and cast them out. He would hang out with, speak to, bring healing, bring peace to the places where people felt God would not go and where love would never make it. And Jesus showed up over and over and over again, all the way to the very end, when out of love, he gave up his life because he loved you. Because he loves his creation. That is capital F, fruit of the Spirit, love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that you might be saved. And so we're called to be loved. God loves you. Be loved. Experience love fully. And the way we experience love is through other people that have the Holy Spirit, (laughs) that have Christ. And so be loved and be love sent. What I mean by that is that as you go about your day, as you interact with other people, as you 
hang out with your family, as you engage with people that are hard for you to engage with, you are called to be love sent. You're called to be the same love that Christ shows you to other people. And in so doing, people know Jesus because you know Jesus. And so we're called to bear the fruit of the spirit of love. And we hear the words of Christ, I love you. And we go from here showing that same love to others. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.